Hey, have you ever realized that it takes faith to follow someone? Have you ever noticed that uh, there's some people that you're a little bit weary of getting behind in a caravan of people headed somewhere? You're like, man, there's no way they're going to know where we're going. You have to trust someone in order to follow them. And we've been doing this sermon series on Jesus called Jesus the Series. We've done different installments over the past uh, you know, year or so. And this is season three. This is episode two. And what we've been doing is we've been following Jesus through the Bible in order to see what he did, see what he said, so that we can follow him. Now, if you've grown up in church or are now growing up in church, you know at some point you have a pretty big decision to make for yourself. You have to decide, do I continue to follow Jesus? At some point, no one's going to make you come to church anymore. No one's going to ask you to read your Bible. We all at some point have to make a choice for ourselves whether or not we are going to personally follow Christ. And that freedom is a test whether you're truly a follower of Christ or just a cultural Christian. A cultural Christian, we talked about a few weeks ago, that's someone who is Christian in name. And they're Christian maybe because their parents are Christian or because it's the American thing to do. It's all about God and country. And so they put that name Christian on the front of who they are. But in reality, they don't really follow Christ. And that freedom to choose is a test whether you're truly a follower of Jesus or just a cultural Christian. There's a pattern that's been going on for years and years of young people falling away when they graduate from high school, when they, when they get into college. And because of that, there has been many articles, thousands of articles written, many studies done, and even many books produced and published. And obviously, you know, here at Clarksburg Baptist, we've got some really good core Jesus followers, so it's not everyone in this age group that falls away, but there is a certain demographic that does. And experts tell us that there are two main reasons that some graduates and college students fall away from church and stop following Christ once they have the freedom to choose. The first one is this. They trade their faith for something that is more convenient, something that fits better into culture, something that's more socially acceptable. At one point, they thought, you know, and they believed that the Bible said that drunkenness was wrong until they wanted to go out and party with their friends, and their friends pressured them in, and all of a sudden, maybe not the, the Bible's not as clear as it used to be on that. They want to have premarital sex, so now it's not a big deal in their belief system, and they've changed what they believe. They used to believe that the Bible was clear on homosexuality, but now they have a friend, and things aren't as clear as they used to be. The Bible's not as clear as it used to be. Why? Because it's not convenient anymore, and it's, it's a little bit harder, and it makes us uncomfortable. And they, trained, they trade their faith for something that's more convenient, and they, and they end up developing their own belief system, their own personal religion, quote-unquote. And when they have a choice, and when that freedom comes and that test comes, whether they're going to follow Jesus or not, it's easy to leave a faith that they have created because it really isn't based on the Bible anymore. It's based on feelings, and the Bible warns us about that. It says that our heart is deceitful and it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? So why do some people fall away when they have a freedom to choose? One, 
They trade their faith for something that's more convenient. Or two, we see that here. It says they have an unexpected tragedy, and this is a real one. And our heart goes out to people that are like this. They go through something that's so hard, and their faith is shaken. And what happens is they feel like their circumstances or the event that they're going through does not fit the character of God. And they feel like it's too difficult to believe in a good God when bad things happen. See, it's hard for a five-year-old to understand why they need to get a shot. Sometimes they think that their parents are hurting them when they go to the doctor. Because just like a child cannot correctly judge his parents' character based on a trip to a doctor to get a shot, we dare not base God's character on our immediate circumstances either. How many times have you looked back on something in your life, it's been a hardship, it's something that you didn't like, Tori and I have talked about this many times, things that are the hardest times in our life. We've looked back and saw God's hand guiding us through all along the way, even though we didn't feel it then. See, God is sovereign and God is in control, but God also came up with this thing called free will. And because of that, we can do things that God doesn't like. It's called sin. We saw that over and over again in the Old Testament. We saw it in the New Testament too, but the Old Testament, we see Israel, God set up these laws for them, and over and over and over again, Israel disobeyed God and did things that hurt God. See, God even allows things that hurt him too. We don't see everything that's going on in every given moment, but God has promised that he can pull good out of any situation. One of the most stressful things as parents for Tori and I is when Noah has a loose tooth. Because Noah has a real, like, phobia about losing teeth. He thinks he's going to swallow it. He thinks it's going to, you know, bleed a lot or it's going to hurt a lot. And he will kick and scream for months. He'll have a, a loose tooth for months before it comes out. And there's been plenty of times where Tori and I have had to physically hold our son down and pull a tooth out of his head because that adult tooth is coming through. And we feel terrible. He cries and we feel so bad about it. But we know ultimately it is what is good for him. And if you ask Noah whether or not we were good parents in that moment, he might really have to think about it. He might pause for just a minute. But hopefully he'll have a great set of teeth for the rest of his life. And honestly, he's probably not going to remember what it took to have them. Don't judge the character of God based on your immediate circumstances. Have faith. Follow him. Don't fall away. High school and college students are not the only ones that have these moments of decision. Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John had one of these events in their lives. If you want to turn there in Luke chapter 5. These guys had already followed Jesus for a short time. They'd seen Jesus do miracles. Jesus even healed Peter's mother-in-law. But then, life got in the way. And they found themselves back fishing for a living. They had bills to pay. They had a job to do. They, they went back to it. Verse 1, Luke chapter 5. It says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, talking about Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing on the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two, two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked them to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. 
See, Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee with a crowd of people following him. And Peter is back there fishing, doing his job, right? Making a living, fixing and washing his nets after a night of unproductive fishing. And Jesus gets in Peter's boat. That's not a, 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 a coincidence, right? Jesus gets in Peter's boat. And as the crowd presses around Jesus, he says, Peter, hey, push us out into the deep a little bit, just a little, and drop anchor. I'm going to teach these people. That would have been a perfect amphitheater. The voice would just have carried across the water. Verse 4, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. I'm one of those type of people that I hate when people come after the fact. You've been working on something for like three hours, and then all of a sudden they have this suggestion for you, right? Hey, have you tried this? Most of the time it's something, yes, I've obviously tried that. But here, Jesus says, hey, try this again. And what does Peter do? He says, but at your word, I will let down the nets. So after Jesus is done preaching, he says, push out into the deep. Well, this is not the correct technique for fishing in these waters. The, the fish were up in the shallows when it was warm, or, or uh, excuse me, when it was cooler at night. And when it was hot outside, they would go down deep into the water. So it was, this was the daytime, and, and their nets were not going to be able to catch these fish. It didn't make sense what Jesus was telling them. This was not the way to fish, but Peter obeyed anyway. He says, I don't understand, but I trust you, God. Verse 6. And when he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. There was such a great amount of fish that Peter called for backup. He yelled to his buddy, hey, bring your boats. Come and help me haul these hundreds and hundreds of fish. And, and these so many fish that the boat began to sink. Peter, this experienced fisherman, had never seen a load of fish like this before, and he knew immediately that it was a miracle. And, and the, once again, he knew and understood that Jesus was the Messiah. Check out what Peter does next, verse 8. It says, when Jesus saw, or excuse me, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all that he were with were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So were also James and John, the son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. In the presence of the power of God, our sinful condition is exposed. And immediately Peter falls down and says, I am not worthy to be around you, God, because of my sin. And that's what happens. The closer you get to Christ, you don't feel like you've got it all together. No, the closer you get to Christ, the more that you understand how unworthy you are to be close to Christ. Verse 10 says, and Jesus said to Simon, this is what Jesus says back. Simon says, get away, God, I'm too sinful. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, do not be afraid. For now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. You're probably more familiar with the way that Matthew 4.19 says it. When Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. 
Peter says he is unworthy to be around Jesus. But Jesus says, hey, I know who you are. I know what you've been through. I know what you've done. I know more about you than you know. Get up because I still want to use you. And there's nothing more amazing than that moment that you realize how insufficient you are, but that Christ chooses to use you anyway. And that was enough for Peter. He's like, hey, I'm sold now. Jesus knows me and still loves me. And yeah, he had followed Jesus for a little while before, but this time he forsook everything. They left everything. They left the boat. They left their nets. They left the equipment and said, forget all that. I am following Jesus. See, this is what it means to be a true follower of Christ. It's not an add-on thing to your life. It's not just a casual thing that you just say, well, this is check who I am. No, it is everything. Have you left everything to follow Jesus? What have you left behind? What has your walk with Christ caused you to leave? Or let's say it a different way. What have you refused to leave behind to follow Jesus? What is holding you back? If you haven't had that moment where you decided that nothing was going to hold you back from following Christ, then you might be that type of person that says those things like, well, it'd really just be more convenient if I just believed that God just ultimately wanted me to be happy. God knows life is hard and he doesn't really expect me to try and do everything in the Bible. Well, there's some parts of this word that I don't really like, so we're just going to take those parts out. I'm sure Jesus understand. I think I'll just pursue this other stuff that's more convenient. It gives me more gratification. Or maybe when the hardships come and the unforeseen struggles get to you, you're going to be that person that says, look, I can't believe in a good God when these bad things are happening to me. And you're going to judge God's character based on your immediate circumstances and not trusting that ultimately that he is in control. It takes faith to follow some. You have to trust them. And you are going to have to ask yourself many times, do I continue to trust Jesus? Do I continue to follow him? Tori and I were driving somewhere the other day, and I felt like, man, I, I feel like maybe I've lost the, the road, and I, I, I passed it. And I'm sure... She was a little bit, she actually got her GPS out and said, you know, I, you don't seem like you know where you're going. I'm going to try and figure this out on my own. And sometimes we do that with God. God, you don't seem to know where you're going. I'm going to figure this out on my own. Many times in your life, you're going to have a decision to make. Do I continue to follow Christ? Well, sadly, this wasn't the only time that Peter left following Jesus to go fishing. After Peter denied Christ and after Jesus was crucified, and maybe Peter was feeling guilty or, and, and shame because he betrayed Jesus. But either way, he once again found himself fishing again. But this time, Jesus, uh, Peter didn't recognize Jesus calling to him from the shore in John 21. Now, once again, Peter hadn't caught anything all night. And I'm not convinced that Peter was a very good fisherman. But Jesus tells him this time to throw the net on the other side. Like that's going to make a difference, right? But this time the net was so full it broke the net. Talk about deja vu here, right? I feel like we've seen this picture before, Peter. A resurrected Jesus calls Peter now to the shore to eat. And he took Peter, which is a sign of fellowship. He wanted to Peter to know that he loved him and he cared about him. And he looks Peter in the eyes and asks him, do 
you love me. And Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? One for every time that Peter denied Christ before the crucifixion. And then Jesus says, then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Again, we see Peter being picked up by Jesus out of his guilt and out of his shame, realizing his sin. And Jesus saying to Peter, I have something for you to do. I want to use you. And what he says to Jesus, what he says to Peter there again is follow me. In John 21, 19, he says, follow me. Again, he calls Peter to follow him. Once again, be a fisher of men. He wanted to use Peter to draw souls to himself, to shepherd his people. And Peter goes on to speak shortly after that and see 3,000 men, not to mention any women, but 3,000 men saved and become followers of Christ in just one sermon. See, what we need to understand is that salvation, placing our faith in Christ and uh, accepting Jesus as our Savior, that's a one-time event. But being a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ, is a daily commitment. It's as simple as waking up and deciding who you are going to follow today. Your heart, your feelings, which will lie to you, or Christ, or God's word. Which am I going to follow? There's a lot of saved people out there. But how many have really, right now, today, have forsaken everything and are following Jesus? Sadly, many of us, I, many times, have decided to go back fishing instead. Sure, look, I know you've messed up. So did Peter. But get up. You might say, well, Pastor Phil, I feel guilty now. I feel shame now. That means you're in the same place that Peter was at. And Jesus looked at him and picked him up and said, feed my sheep, go and be fishers of men. Okay, you're in a position that you're humble now and I can use you now. And I believe that right now, Christ's invitation to Peter is also extended to you today. Jesus is saying to you, follow me. The rich young ruler had excuses why he couldn't follow Christ. He had his money to think about. There's a man in the Bible who had a field and that was his excuse. He said, look, I can't, I can't, follow you right now. I got so much paperwork with my realty deals. I can't follow you right now, Jesus. There was another man that had a new wife, so he blamed her on it. He said, look, I can't follow. I got this new wife I got to worry about. I can't follow you. So, hey, Christian, hey, a uh, person that's interested in being a follower of Jesus, what's your excuse? Not today. Not right now. I've got this big thing. Maybe tomorrow. What have you left behind to follow Jesus? God wants to use you to be a fisher of men. He wants you to use, uh, to use you to draw people to himself and to have a relationship with, him, with himself. He wants to use your words and your actions to tell people that he loves them. So here's the question to ask yourself today. Do I continue to follow Christ? When things get hard, will I continue to follow Christ? When things don't make sense, when my belief system is shaken, when I read something in God's word that doesn't line up with what I wish it said, will I trust God or will I trust my intellect? 
and what I can decipher in the world, or my belief system. That's not the foundation that you want to build on. God's word has been given to us so that we will have something to stand on. So what's your answer? Jesus' invitation to you is to forsake all and follow him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you. God, I pray right now for anyone that's watching, God, for anyone that's listening. Lord, I pray you would help us ask ourselves, when things get hard, am I going to follow you? When things get rough, am I going to follow you? Lord, we love you. and We praise you uh, for all you're going to do, God. We pray for protection, and we pray for uh, deliverance from this virus, Lord. God, in your name we pray. Amen.